Hi, hi, hi. What's up? How are you doing? What's up with oh, today? Hello. Hello. And welcome to Podcast, Podcast of Times. Times. I'm Nadia. Uh, and I'm Lucy. Today, we're talking about first live action that we're doing. First live action. Our first live action we're chatting about. And it is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <gasps> Yay. Da, 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 Disney's da, da, da. 1971 classic. Absolute classic. Absolute classic. Classic for me, hangover viewing. Yes. Where, if I've ever had a hangover, that sorts me right out. I, I mean, obviously, this. a few like Pro Plus or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I watched this on New Year's Day, very hungover. Mm hmm. It was great. It's, it, it's perfect, <laughs> though, it. isn't it? It Loved sorts it. you right out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the good kind of like tempo for, for that. Um, so in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, for those that have not seen it, mm. we are following the story of plucky apprentice witch, <laughs> Eglantine Price. Great name. In what I feel is the first story of distance learning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> While she completes yeah. the Correspondence College of Witchcraft. Yes. So she's training to be a witch. She's... Like, not that good at it. No. But she tries. She tries very hard. Mm -hmm. and she's, she's, she's all right. She's, she's all right good at intentions. the start. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. She, she does better than I would. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried flying on a broom. Oh, not nightmare. that easy. Nightmare. Broke both legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she ends up taking in some cockney children. <laughs> um, because Which the trainer describes as three homeless cockney waifs. <laughs> Um, because it's the war, um, and they discover that she's a witch. They blackmail her and say that they want something in return for not blabbing their secret around the village that she's a witch. So mm -hmm. she teaches them how to do a travelling spell using the bed, the titular Specifically, bed knob yeah. and broomstick <laughs> yeah, there we of go. the title. Yeah. Um, she Their first excursion is to go visit uh, Mr... Was Professor, Professor Emilius Brown. Emilius Brown, sorry. Professor, Professor, head of the Correspondence College of Witchcraft, yes. London. Um, and it turns out that he's a great big phony. Mm -hmm. and a phony. A phony. A big fat phony. phony. Um, and yeah, he's not really running a real witchcraft school. He's just some like bloke that mm -hmm. sells magic out of a suitcase. Yeah. He's like, like he sells those like tricks. whistles that don't work, yeah. like bird calls and so stuff like that. Those. Like in Camden, always used to have like so many of those. Yeah, they don't work. Spoiler alert. Rubbish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they they meet up with him. He is shocked to discover that uh, Eglantine Price can actually do magic mm -hmm. because essentially this was one big scam where you just made up a load of old words and mailed them out to people. Yeah. Um, and so he wants them to team up so that he can do the sort of showman-related stuff. Yeah, he, she, he spies a business opportunity. Yes, and she can do Money the, like, making. magic. Um, mm. But she has nobler intentions, and she wants to learn the final spell that his correspondence course has stopped her from learning, yeah. uh, which will enable her to defeat the Nazis. Basically, um, But yeah. I don't know if she... Did, she didn't know that that was... Was she just generally waiting no. to learn that so in case something happened in the war? Or No, I think that was her motivation behind it. That was the one that she wanted to know. Yeah. So, like, she talked in the beginning about how it's it's the spell that she's been waiting for and it's really important for the war effort. Mm. So she starts talking to the youngest um, evacuee, uh, Paul, saying that she needs his help. Um, 
to <laughs> because it's really important to the war effort. But what I mean is she spell. didn't know that those Nazis were going to turn up, did she? No, she didn't. So what, what was she just going to like? Maybe she was going to go to Germany. That's what I mean. Yeah. What was she going to do? How she was, was gonna she going to use that? She was going to hop on her broom, <laughs> fly over to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> she can't even fly around the village of Korf. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna go all the way to Germany. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was gonna happen. No, she um, she would definitely drown. Halfway. So what happens then? So they oh they get get like almost attacked by Bruce Forsyth. They do. More on this later. More on this in a bit. The they end up going to the bookman. They end up going to Nabumbu. The island of Nabumbu. The island of Nabumbu. Very very long sequence. Far mm-hmm. too long. Um, to track down the star. Of Astaroth, mm-hmm. uh, which will give her the final clue to this spell. They managed to get it. Substitutionary locomotion. Yes, great song, best song. Yeah. Uh, they managed to get that. Then she can do the substitutionary locomotion, which is when she's moving mm-hmm. uh, objects. Which is very uh, fortunate timing when you think about it, because about three minutes later, Nazis arrive. Nazis in the garden. Nazis in the garden. Nazis in the garden. <laughs> there they are. That the... should be the title of this. <laughs> Nazis be... in the garden. <laughs> she looks out the window. Boom. Nazis in the garden. And she's like, oh, no, Nazis. <laughs> in the meantime, she's had a sort of love affair mm-hmm. with Emilius. Professor Emilius. Yeah. Um, nothing ever really quite happens, but they're sort of like living together. Yeah. Even though it's only been 24 hours. If it's only 24 hours. hours and they're like hanging out with the kids. Um, and then he like goes away. Oh, you were going to be my new dad, <laughs> governor. Cool, fly me. Use your life. Use your life. I ain't got no father. Like, so uh, he goes away because he thinks that they should split up. Mm-hmm. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, he gets a bit freaked like, out oh, by I the fact that he doesn't the train he, back to London. Oh, I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically like commitment phobe. Yeah. And then he gets to the train station. He realises that he wants to be with her after all. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the house. Mm-hmm. Nazis are there. Yeah. Um, and a big battle ensues where Angela uses her newfound substitutionary locomotion powers mm-hmm. to bewitch various items around the house. Yes. That can, including coats of armour. Yeah. Um, that she she's been from the museum. Them, still, yeah, exactly. Um that she can use um, mm. and drives off the Nazis. Yeah. Um, and then the home guards sort of turn up at the end, don't they, just to sort of finish They do. Finish off the job. And then but it kind of implies that um, Professor Brown then ends up in a relationship with Eglantine. Yes. Um, but he then leaves to join the war, mm. even though he seems far too old to do <laughs> far so. Too old. He's like in his sixties. He's about the same age as the home guard who were taking him to the station. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It is. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. In a bedknob. It's quite a convoluted plot actually. Yeah. I think I don't know if we did that justice really. It's quite um You need to watch it. Definitely. You need to watch it. I think it's in quite a lot of different pieces, isn't mm-hmm. it? And they don't necessarily join up hugely no no definitely um, not they're almost their own individual sequences yeah. when you think about it yeah um which kind of makes sense fun fact number one okay fun fact it's fact time um so fun fact number one it was actually two separate books oh that they decided so um Walt Disney got the rights to them it, they were by an author called Mary Norton right 
Um, and the first one was called The Magic Bed Knob, and the second one was Bonfires and Broomsticks. And he merged them, oh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, right. and he put two stories together. So it was never meant to be one story, which is why it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what mm. happened in both of those? What were the, the two The Magic separate? Bed Knob was just about the flying bed. Right. And about the kids getting there, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was about the flying bed. And then the next one was about her trying to learn to be a better witch. Okay, so they sort of merged like, all yeah, of that in So there. they merged it all together. Right. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, it does feel like a few different stories all yeah. kind of interconnected. I did love the fact that it was, even though it was way back when, the mixture of live action and animation. Yes. I think they did that quite well. Like, it didn't look super old-fashioned. No. Or, like, it wasn't quite right. And actually, the bits with the animation were better than the special effects, yes. which were pretty ropey. Definitely. And actually, weirdly, even when they were in the scene where they were human and other elements around them were animated, mm -hmm. that sometimes looked better than yeah. just the sort of quite basic stuff of like the shoes moving. Like particularly when you first see her trying to learn how to find the broom and mm. she's been like flung around all over the place. You can see yeah. the strings that are holding her up. You can. Really clearly. Yeah. Which obviously is because of our sort of better, uh, like yeah. better televisions and better Blu-ray yeah. and all of that sort of stuff nowadays. Exactly. Like back in 71, um, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily exactly. been able to see that. Um, but yeah, it was. I just thought that was weird that that was kind of worse than like that, that sort of seemed to be to be easier to achieve than the animation, which actually yeah. was probably pretty decent. Yeah. Um, it was good. All oh, right, yeah, so let's get into good. some of the kind of, some of the main scenes. So there's quite a lot of very long scenes in this. Yeah, a lot of it felt very, very long. Yeah. And it was actually meant to be longer. Really? Yeah, so another fun fact here. <laughs> fun fact. Sorry, I've got a fair few facts, but they are all very, very fun. Right, so it was meant to be an awful lot longer. But Walt Disney booked for the premiere um, Radio City in New York. Right. And Radio City had a rule that they would not screen anything that was more than two hours long. So Disney, instead of thinking, okay, well, we've got this edit that's more than two hours, let's find another location. He was like, no, let's cut the film by like half an hour <laughs> to fit the screening because he was too cheap to book another venue. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so the people that made the film originally were not particularly happy with it because no, it got cut down to 117 minutes, mm. which was a lot less than it was meant to be originally, which may be why it seems a little Slightly bit all over the place as well. Yeah, so I think they cut out some of the more important bits too yeah. from what I what I was able to do in my, to find in my research. Um, yeah, so it was it was meant to be even longer because the the just, scenes just, in Nabumbu. Nabumbu. What is it? Nabumbu. Nabumbu. Yeah. The Isle of Nabumbu. <laughs> the Isle of Nabumbu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, like the football scene. That oh, it goes lasted on and forever. on. I remember even as a kid oh, being geez. like, geez. Well, yeah, as a kid, you got even less attention span, but yeah. I was like, just, I could have cut that by at least 10 minutes. Yeah. I will say, shout out to my husband, Alex. That's one of his favourite scenes. Really? But even he thinks it's too long. Yeah. Like, just... he laughs at the slapstick humour in yeah, it. Like it's yeah, fine, it's fine. But it's essentially just the same gag over and over again, like animal in weird football yeah. position. Yeah, Amelia's getting run over. Yeah. 
and then just yeah angela going like oh yeah there was one point where one of the kids is like he's had it this time it was really sort of <laughs> gleeful voice as if he's like good job that he's been murdered i was like that's yeah. your new dad exactly have some respect yeah he's trying, to, he's trying to get the football he's your new dad that's my new dad mister <laughs> Um, yeah, very long. Um, and, and the Portobello Road sequence, which is, I think is a lot better. Yeah. Brilliant sequence. Yeah. Lots of dancing. Again, very long. It, like, it sort of like meanders, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And you go through the market. Yeah, it does. You've got the and there's like all the different cultures, yeah. like the Caribbean dancers yeah. with their steel pans. You've got the Indian guys. Their dancing was awesome, Wicked. though. I loved, I remember thinking when I was a kid, like, how do they do that dancing? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. You had the Scottish in there. You did, you did. Um, you had the ladies. Yeah. All the ladies getting around and doing their little dance. Yeah. And then the two older ladies, which I like to think is me and you in 50 oh, years, yeah. like through the middles going like, come on, girls. <laughs> and like hitching up their skirts and just like trotting through. That was nice. It was such a nice scene that. It, it was, was really good. But yeah, it goes on forever. It goes on very long. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, if they wanted to make cuts, they could have cut both of those scenes by a couple of minutes and mm-hmm. that would have been sorted, wouldn't it? So I had a few different thoughts mm. about the film. First of all, I am a big fan of it. Yes. It is brilliant. Wicked. And as I said, perfect hangover viewing. I'm a big fan of Angela Lansbury. Oh, she's she... great. When you're first introduced to Angela Lansbury, she drives it in, in a, on a motorbike with a sidecar, which is fortunate because she um, has to pick up three orphan children, which she's not aware of. Very fortunate. But also the broomstick. I yeah. suppose that's why she's bought the sidecar. Yeah. But also, I love that style. I mean, come on. Oh. That is like classic. Yeah. Motorbike with a sidecar, especially for a woman in... This, in I get it. Well, it was in the 40s. It's 1940. Yeah. Controversial. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing a blue beret, uh-huh. a purple and yellow scarf, driving goggles, a sort of like camel coat and black patent like leather boots. She and she looks brilliant. Fab, you <laughs> Amazing. She is styling she it out. She comes in and her... Um, her motorbike is billowing out like yellow smoke. Like sulphur, yeah. isn't it? It's like burning sulphur. Yeah. And she goes in and she's got a no-nonsense attitude. She will she's like, not take any nonsense. You're giving me kids. What are you talking about? I ain't got no time for this. Mm. I've got to substitutiarily locomote a load of, <laughs> of armour yeah. to get rid of the Nazis. Exactly. So Angela Lansbury's excellent in it. Um, she was not the first choice. Um, a load of different people auditioned, uh, including Julie Andrews, um, who was offered it and turned it down, then changed her mind. <laughs> um, but by that point, it was too late because Angela had already started. Um, so, yeah, a bit, bit awkward. Yeah, I suppose she thought bit. it was probably a bit too similar to Mary Poppins. I would personally have found it hard to deal with to see what, because it was around a similar time, to mm. see what I saw as... Mary Poppins ending up in a relationship with Mr. Banks. Yeah, it would have been really weird. Yeah, because of course David Tomlinson is uh, Mr. Banks. Professor Amelius Brown. And Professor Amelius Brown as well. Yeah. Um, And there's a few other similarities. So obviously they've got the mix of the cartoon and the live action, which is very Mary Poppins. Yeah, there's this kind of magical power. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there's actually the beautiful Bryony C song. Yeah. was originally for Mary Poppins. It was. It was written for... So what was meant to happen in that scene is that Mary and the children were meant to go off sailing on an adventure in Admiral Boom's house yeah. on the beautiful Briony Sea. It sounds weird, but it does sound 
quite a Mary Poppinsy song when you listen to it, like the rhythm of it. It's it sounds quite... like it was written for Julie Andrews' yeah, voice. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, I mean, Ange does it justice. Oh, beautifully. brilliant. Yeah. That's a great scene. Yes. Um, but yeah, I suppose she thought that, yeah, maybe it was like too similar and then that it was too late. Ange mm-hmm. had taken it. Yeah, she and had. made it her own. Although Ange, she didn't like it. Yeah, this saddens me a lot. Yeah. No, it makes me have so much more respect for her because mm. this does not come across. She gives no. a flawless performance, gives it her all. She hated filming because mm. she said it was really strict and it was a very by numbers um, way of filming. So every single scene, every single reaction and everything was storyboarded and you couldn't give any artistic interpretation, mm. like even in terms of facial expressions. And God. she just hated it. I suppose they have to do that because of that mix of the live action and the animated. Yeah. They have to know exactly where everyone's going to be oh, God, looking, yeah. standing, yeah, definitely. interacting with but everything like, around them. If you can't like but yeah, to, for face, an actress, that might like, just be really must hard, be, mustn't yeah, it? Yeah, just soul-destroying, really, she when would've... you think about it. Um, but yeah, she totally owns Eglantine, and I could not picture it being anyone else. No. I really couldn't. Um, this film actually won an Oscar. Oh. Yeah. That's I didn't know. It is. It is. Um, When you find out what it is, you'll realise why. It's best visual and special effects. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, Because all of the movement of the stuff by itself and all Mm. the animation mixed with that. It got it got nominated for a few other Oscars as well, including things like costume, Mm. set design, Um, but original song as well. It got nominated for which I would understand if it was like Beautiful Briny Sea mm. or Portobello Road or whatever because they're brilliant songs but it was the age of not believing mm. which is the most boring it's the worst uh, it's the worst song totally the worst song mm. like if it had been Portobello Road it would have totally won yeah it was almost like they were setting them up for failure it's yeah, like we'll weird. give you a nomination for the shittest song it's the only it's the only Angela Lansbury solo one, isn't it? I suppose, well, I suppose yeah. the kids are sort of borderline involved. Maybe that was Yeah, they're more why? like talking, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's why they did that. Oh, it seems like a very weird choice, though. Yeah. Right, enough of facts. Let's move on to some of some of the thoughts and feelings and some, some of the, the lols as well. <laughs> yes. So there are, there are many lols in many this. Many lols. Do you know what? First question I had... Is Angela, no, sorry, not Angela, Eglantine, mm. vegan? Yes, she because had a very, very strict diet. She did. So, to get all of her nutrients, as she said, she was going to be serving up cabbage buds, rose hips, elm bark, whirtle yeast, which is <laughs> apparently a thing, and stewed nettles. Oh. First of all, oh my God, that sounds... <laughs> Vile. Disgusting. And the kids are fuming. They are fuming. Like, Paul picks up a bit of bark, sniffs it, and then chucks it back down. Mm. Don't blame him. And the Charlie says, No fried food! How'd you keep your elf? (laughs) (laughs) And Carrie is like, Bubble and squeak, toad in the hole, <laughs> yeah. sausage and mash, the usual. Very sausage-based. Very sausage-based. <laughs> meals that they're used to. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and he gets very annoyed, doesn't he, when uh, mm-hmm. he, after he discovers that she's a witch, he thinks you can use this against her to get sort of better food. Yes. So then he's like, I want to see a sausage on the table once in a while. Bit yeah. of jam, bit of bread. 
<laughs> no more of this washing, 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 noon and night. <laughs> <laughs> and bit of lolly. Bit of lolly. Bit of lolly. <laughs> Their accents are dreadful. They are really so bad. dreadful. It's like it's overblown. They're they're all from the UK. Yeah. Um, the two boys were from London, <laughs> and um, Carrie, the girl, she was from Ireland, so she was putting on an accent. Yeah. It's just but too exaggerated, isn't it? Far too exaggerated. It's like satirical. It was definitely done for the American market. Yeah. Yeah. Because anyone in the UK would be like, "What the hell." It's just too, yeah, just too cliched, the things that get said and like the sort of... But it is hilarious. (laughs) Favourite line, favourite, favourite line. So Angela is sitting Paul down and saying, right, okay, I've given you this magical knob, (laughs) but I gave it to you about 30 seconds ago, but now I really need you to help me and you just give me back the knob or at least take me on a journey because it's really important to the war effort. Um, And some stuff about the war and then Paul says what's that got to do with my knob (laughs) (laughs) it's his voice when he says it as well it is brilliant have they kept a straight face I don't know they deserve an Oscar just for that (laughs) because I would be laughing non-stop so many knob puns so many knob puns all the knob puns (laughs) what's it got to do with my knob I don't understand why Paul was the only one that could do it because I assumed that she'd done that as a way of like sort of being nice to him because he was yeah. the littlest one. She'd sort yeah. of to include him. She'd gone, oh, you, you're able to, you know, like we do for a kid. You're like, yeah. and you're the one that's in charge of the thing there. Mm-hmm. And even there, the kid's like, oh, okay, I'll look after that. Makes him feel you know special. I mean? That's important. what I thought they were yeah. doing. But he actually was the only one that had those magical powers. Yeah, well, it's because it was his knob. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was off her bed. He hadn't got it. it he hadn't brought He's, it with him. He'd stolen it. Yeah, but. Finders keepers, I guess, it is the rule in, in witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> it was his knob. Yeah. Speaking of his knob, oh, no. <laughs> in a non-gross way. He is six years old, so. He is. I would like to know more about the untold story of Paul as the future MacGyver, because the stuff he has in his pockets, lots I of, want to lots know what he is items. planning on doing with those and what he could do with those. He keeps so them for a special occasion. He does. He's like, he, you never know when they're coming useful. Exactly. Like MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure that's MacGyver's policy. Yeah. Um, so he pulls out a bit of broken glass, a horseshoe nail, yep. Lovely bit of string. Lovely bit of string. And a knob. <laughs> a bed knob. A bed knob. That can be turned. But I want to. I want to know the untold story of Paul being the future MacGyver. A, a, a follow-up. <laughs> yeah, and what he is going to do with those items. Him teaming up with Ange. Yes, on a flying bed. Exactly. Her doing the sort of magic elements. Mm-hmm. Him when they get into scrapes, very much sorting the things out with sort of Let material. Let me get the horseshoe like, nail. Exactly. Lovely bit of string. <laughs> Lovely bit of string. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> loved that bit. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, so I would like to talk about the sort of the baddies of the piece. Um, <laughs> so those are twofold. Yeah. Obviously, your first baddie you encounter is uh, well, the first baddie you encounter is Bruce Bruce Forsyth. Bruce. Actual Forsyth. Bruce Forsyth. It is really him, guys. Very weird. Very, very Just see weird. Bruce Forsyth not in Strictly or a game show. He took or... a pause from the Generation game <laughs> to fly out to California 
and be the bookman's henchman. <laughs> <laughs> the shittest baddie of all time, the yep. bookman. So Bruce Forsyth is what my dad would call a spiv. Definitely. Like, he's like, so Any, he has like, anyone looking at him would be like, you're a spiff, mate. So he's got like a coat, you know, one of those coats that like opens up, like a Mac that opens up, not in a flash yeah. away, in a way that's like, oh, do you want to book this? Do you want this watch? Do you want this? He's like, he's like, oh, bit, bit of chocolate for the kiddies, oh, bit of this, bit of that, bit of whatever. So he's trying to weed and deal them. They're mm -hmm. not interested in anything because all they want is the book. Yeah. And then he pulls a knife yeah. on Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Bruce Forsyth. I know. Literally, he's like, family friendly. And I bet this then, knife exactly. in the face. And they're like, oh, he <laughs> yeah. eats it up. And then Amelia's is like, well, you've got my undivided attention, <laughs> yeah. good sir. Yeah. Um, and he's like, the bookman wants to see you. And you're like, what is the bookman? He takes him to an old man in a bookshop. And this is his... Who can barely walk. Who's bloody... Like, he's like a thousand years old. Yeah. Like, I mean, Bruce Forsyth, look, he's hired Bruce Forsyth as his young sidekick. That's how old he is. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth is about 70. And he's like... They're, they're so old that they can't be in the war. Think about that. Yeah. No, they are not in World War II because they're too old. And... A Spiv and a Bookman. <laughs> spiv and a Bookman? That's another spin-off right there, sorry. The Spiv and the Bookman? The Spiv and the Bookman. Yeah. Yes. A anyway. wood watch. <laughs> yeah. But you, I, I, don't, I just don't understand what, why Bruce Forsyth would work for an old man in a bookshop. No. Why, what his sort of, what his evil plans are, the Bookman, because he, he wants to get the spell that Angela Lansbury has <laughs> half of the book and he's been searching for the other half forever blah 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 so they you know they're both searching for the same bit of the book so that they can work out what the final but what is he planning to, so she's obviously planning to help defeat the nazis with mm -hmm. this substitutionary locomotion spell very good moral intention what's the there? book for using it for he's like a thousand years old he's gonna like he's got some shady ideas get as more well. books <laughs> especially because he pulls out a machete on them he and does. then bruce forsyth it's bruce forsyth also known as Swinburne. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> Classic spiff name that, I think. Classic spiff name, Swinburne. Um, it's like, I'll use my own sentimental value. Bear in mind, it's about the size of a teaspoon. It's rubbish, little it knife. Really like, is. it's like a little, like, sort of flick knife thing, isn't it? It's not. It's not you don't use that to murder five people. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> In the basement of a bookshop. It's going to get very bloody. With a bed. Yeah. And that bed's going to be very. He's going to have to get round there to stab. He's going to literally stab Bruce Forsyth. He's prepared in order to get the book. And we don't know what the bookman has over him that he would work for the bookman yeah you know if he was genuinely if, if bruce Forsyth was genuinely evil he could murder the bookman and take over his evil empire yeah. you know by breathing on him the man's a thousand exactly. so we must imagine that the bookman has something you know holding over bruce Forsyth that mm -hmm. forces him to work there and that means he's gonna <laughs> happily stab like two two like grown people and three children to death before they can escape on a bed. But what, what could you possibly want that spell for? When you're in the trade of books, all he would want is more books. Yeah. Is he going to be using that to be like, oh, I'm going to like, I don't know, bewitch this first edition 
and make it follow me back or something <laughs> yeah. to my bookshop. it only makes stuff So move. I can steal it without touching it. It's not it. like a spell to get like unlimited gold or, no, you know. No, would you think that would be more, yeah, more valuable? Yeah, like, that was something that he, I mean, it's like. It makes no sense. The other spells are way better. Yeah. The original, the, the first spells that, they, that they've done, like flying, being able to fly, being able to turn stuff into a rabbit, that's even better that's than, than, the, than the moving of objects. And actually, yeah. it only comes in useful for her very explicit purposes of defeating mm. the Nazis. Other than that, you're just animating things. I mean, you know, once you've done that for a bit, it's not that fun anymore, no, is it? You're exactly. just making shoes walk. It's just like a bit of a trick. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see the bookman's... I don't get his whole vibe. No, I don't get it either. And it is potentially either the shittest or the best. I can't decide. <laughs> shittest or best villain mm. in any Disney movie May- ever. Maybe... Maybe his motivations make more sense in the longer cut. Maybe. Maybe there was a sort of like extended director's cut with some more Bookman action. Um, (laughs) I want to see the backstory. I want to see how extended Bookman edition. (laughs) I want to see how Bruce Forsyth and him ended up together. I want to know how the the whole thing. Bookman. I think we should propose this to Disney. Maybe it was his son. Maybe. Maybe he was his son? I don't know. The whole thing I was mean, very weird. Then why wouldn't he say, my dad the bookman, not just <laughs> the, the bookman? Who's trying to What's retain the an air of mystery? Name? Yeah, he doesn't have a name. He's just the bookman. Yeah. And they just keep referring to him as bookman. Unless his name is bookman. Yeah. And because of that, he got into books. He's like Mr. Bookman. Maybe he's Mr. Bookman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cecil and may- Bookman. Maybe, maybe Swinburne is his first name. Bruce Forsyth's <laughs> first name. And maybe he's Swinburne Bookman. <laughs> The son of Mr. Fortescue Bookman. Cecil Bookman, I like it. Oh my god, amazing. Um, The other really shit baddies are the Nazis. Mm -hmm. So, firstly, they bring a lot of paperwork with them. They do. um, Because... What's up with that? uh, That seems to be what they've... So they've all... They've they've arrived on these boats Mm -hmm. to... Corf. In Dorset. Although, where is it? Is it actually supposed to be there? Because the woman, um, the woman with the evacuee, she's Welsh. She is. I think it is meant to be there. It must be somewhere on the coast. So, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the castle in the background is Corf Castle. It is Corf Castle. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so they arrive. They commandeer uh, Angela's uh, place. Yeah. Um, but largely, it's sort of just them sort of signing things and doing paperwork. They're not really... Why would they commandeer a tiny little cottage <laughs> in Dorset? Yeah. Wouldn't you go for London? Yeah. But also, he, he sort of explains to her that this isn't like a real invasion. Yeah. This is like their practice invasion for when to show that they can invade if they wanted to. And then they're going to come back and do like a bigger invasion which seems quite pointless like a trial it's like a trial invasion isn't there only like 10 of them as well very few very few there's only two little boats like rowboats yeah yeah they rode from Germany is that what (laughs) we're expected to believe they've rowed all the way in like two tiny like they're they're the kind of boats that you'd get like like in the Hyde Park like on the Serpentine they they rode a load of paperwork and not many weapons all the way from Germany (laughs) to commandeer a cottage in Corfe just to like piss off Angela Lansbury and they picked the wrong bitch to trifle with and just like nah the bitch is a witch she's like no sir 
Um, <laughs> yeah, why bring your paperwork? He's just sitting there signing <laughs> things, doing some I other know. bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. I think leave it at home if you're going to do that. More space for guns, yep. if anything. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's, that's what, what you need do. when you're invading. Less paperwork, more, more guns. guns. And obviously they're scared We do not recommend invading anywhere. No. We do not condone invasions. Don't invade. Don't invade. Don't invade. It's very bad. Make love, not war. Exactly. But if you are going to... Less paperwork, more guns. Yeah, and a better boat, I think. Definitely. Um, not not rowing all the way <laughs> from Germany. Very, I must have been very tired. To southwest UK. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So ridiculous. Yeah, so mm -hmm. they weren't very good. And no. then they got they get scared off by the, the coats of armour, obviously. Um, but actually, the coats of armour, because the spell, because Angela gets... Uh, knocked off her broomstick, doesn't she? So she's not able to control she the does. spell anymore. So the armour stops being bewitched. Mm -hmm. um, and they're already sort of halfway down the beach at that point. But had they noticed that, they could have turned back and, like, you know, done some damage. But then the old home guard... What were they going to do? That was <laughs> nothing. Useless. <laughs> they were going to get on the Zimmer frames. Exactly. Dad's army. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But then when you're talking about defeating a load of people who have just rode all the way from Germany, they're going to be knackered. They'll be tired. So I think a bunch of 100-year-old men would probably yeah. be able to take them. They, and they were there for about half an hour top. They rode all the way from Germany. <laughs> they rode all, <laughs> all the way back again within the space of about no, half an right. hour. We had, we've had a breather, guys. We've been chased by, by some old suits of armour. We're hallucinating now yeah. from exhaustion. Yeah. I think we need to go. <laughs> just to turn around. Back <laughs> yeah. to Germany. Leave the paperwork. Well, they better. They hope they packed that up. I was like, giving all their secrets away. I don't think they did. I think they just did a runner. So they might have left that in Angela's... Uh, she didn't know what they were up to. Yeah. All of their secret documents they've signed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Silly. Silly Nazis. She won the war. Yes. Good old... Single-handedly. <laughs> um, so I think we should talk a little bit about the uh, relationship between Angela and Mr Brown. Yes. Um... That was lovely. It was so nice. Eglantine and Amelia. Eglantine and Amelia. Double E. Double E. <laughs> um, Eggy and Emmy. It was a lovely little relationship, wasn't it? Was. it? I very much bought them as a couple. I did as well. I he was, was definitely much them. more into it than she was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She would have been happy on her own, I think, was. He realised, he thought he was happy on his own. Yes. But then he realised. Um, and I had forgotten until I watched it yesterday that he basically has like a kinky dream about her. He does. <laughs> Which he I'd does. forgotten about. When he's asleep on the platform, mm. waiting to... After they've sort of broken up. Yeah. And he goes and he's to like, the... Oh, I'm going back to London. Oh, bye. I'll see you around. Oh, yeah, bye. Oh, yeah, bye. Yeah. And he goes to the train, goes yeah. to wait at the station. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the Nazis, you know, derails plans. <laughs> Classic they do. Nazis. They do. The Nazis interrupt his kinky dream. His kinky dream about Angela. So he like hallucinates her wandering down the train tracks singing singing really eerily like champion that he sings to her isn't it isn't, isn't it it's no the song that, i don't think it is isn't it because the one that he sings to her is eglantine eglantine oh how you're shy <laughs> your lot and my lot have got to combine um yeah. love that song but yeah, maybe yeah. It's not. anyway, she but just starts so singing some weird thing about him being her dressed champion. as like a Vegas like showgirl, show girl, like yeah. with the feathers and, and the a little sort of gold bikini. Little gold bikini. Yeah. Oh no, it was not a bikini. It was like gold, a sort of gold piece. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, like in a sort of chorus line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> weird to see Angela Lansbury in such a and sexy like, outfit. She's. 
I mean, she's a gorgeous woman. Let's not let's she not is. let's not she mess is. around. Although she has always looked like a grandma, a grandma um, and a baby. Yeah, <laughs> she has like quite a baby face. Grandma like, young so face. Old. Grandma young face. <laughs> she is literally grandma young face. She is. Oh but God. yeah, she's like almost doing a tightrope walk along the live rail. Mm, very of dangerous. The train tracks. Although it has been. Uh, cut by the Nazis oh, in, yeah, order to, in order to not so escape. Or, as the old man at the start calls them, the Nazis. The Nazis, <laughs> yeah. That's what like, you'd say if you were a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. I was like, brilliant, love that I, guy. I'm, yeah, what did the kids she, do afterwards? Afterwards, so Cindy O'Callaghan was the only one that carried on um, acting. So she played okay. Carrie. She was an actress. I'd say more recently, it was sort of like the late, late 90s. I think it was like 99. She played Andrea Price in EastEnders. Okay, Andrea Price. I looked her up. I remembered her daughter, like her daughter was a bigger character than her. Right. But she was in EastEnders for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I did not recognise her. No. She looks, she does not look the same, anywhere near the same, grown up. Um, so, uh, Roy Snart. Who plays Excuse Paul? Me? Roy <laughs> Snart. S N A R T. Yeah. Oh wow, what a name. Yep. Um That's like <laughs> that's like a name from Bendoms and Broomsticks. It, it really it's ridiculous. is. Roy Snart. Um although here my N looks like an H, so it looks like Roy Snart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Roy Snart, who played Paul. Yes. The youngest kid. Um, did not continue acting. Oh. He is now, he's doing well for himself though. Good. He is the managing director of a very successful software company. Okay. Well, Can't that's remember good. what it was called. For some reason, I didn't write that name down. But he's doing well for himself. Good. Yeah, he lives in the UK. Very good. Yeah. Um, and the guy that played Charlie could not find any more information about him. He yeah. just didn't really do anything afterwards. That's weird, isn't it? I always find that really weird mm. when people are in just like, well, particularly as a kid. Yeah. Do you think, like, when people are just in one film as an adult, it might just be, you know, it's just that they've had a shot. But, like, when you're a sort of a, like, a kid actor, exactly. you sort of you've got when so you've got your much big shot with longer Disney. of your, Yeah, like, why yeah. not use that as a law? I mean, they weren't the greatest actors in the world, but, you know. No, but they weren't pretty terrible. Pretty possible, weren't yeah. they, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. It seems weird that they didn't get, yeah, Disney didn't give them anything else to do, or. Maybe they didn't, they just weren't really into it. Yeah. You never know. Maybe they got too old i suppose I don't know. maybe yeah i don't know well maybe like if and if angela's feedback on the film was correct and it wasn't all that fun maybe it kind of ruined yeah their that's experience true they acting. were just they were just like oh my god what yeah. drag now i have to walk over here and do exactly this exactly as you tell me or you're going to shout at me and make me do it again and again and again until yeah. i look like the picture but i'm not a picture i'm a human being exactly <laughs> I've got my own face. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do what it wants. Okay, yeah. any more final thoughts about um, this? No, I think I've kind of covered everything that I wanted to say. I do think, well, one of the things that we were talking about earlier, actually, is it is very sexist. Oh, yes. There's a bit where they are leaving the Isle of Nabumbu <laughs> um, and they have stolen the Star of Astaroth from mm. King Leonidas. Yes. Um, and... Angela's got it, and then Amelia's brown. Sorry, I keep saying Angela. Eglantine's got it, and then Amelia's grabs it from her, puts it in his pocket, and is like, I'll keep that. Women are always losing things, <laughs> yeah. and that's just accepted. Yeah. If I was her, I'd be like, 
Fuck you. Excuse me. When we get back home, you'll realise that you've lost it as well. He loses it. He loses he it. He then loses it. He then loses Useless. it. Useless. Exactly. Well, to be fair, that isn't really his fault, is it? Because it's because it's transferred into the real world from the, uh, you know, Nubumbu world. Yeah. It's like she seems gone to all... know that that's happened as well before yeah. it, before she even turns around. It's like if you know that's potential. Maybe right. Actually, down. they didn't need to steal. They didn't need to steal it. No, they could have just said, "Can I read your necklace?" Yeah, that and looks just very nice. It down. Yeah, written let me just write on my hand. Because I didn't. I yeah. Because like, it would be one thing if they needed they the necklace asked, to do this. They should have asked Paul what he had in his MacGyver pocket. He would have had something to jot that down. Just with. jot it down. That's Definitely. all they needed. They didn't need to bother to steal it at all. Nah. Yeah, and then it was in his book all along, so it was fine. Uh-huh. No one ever listens to Paul. No one does. No one ever listens to I think to he Paul. is the hero, really, yeah. of this. That is going to be my takeaway, in fact. My takeaway from this film is sometimes young children have unexpected wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good takeaway. As, as the oldest sibling, personally, I feel like maybe, you know, you don't necessarily listen to certainly like me and my stepbrother and my brother. My stepbrother was the next one down, so the two of us would largely ignore my brother <laughs> and, like, not listen to his, like, nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he all the time knew about a secret island of Nabumbu and we could have, you know, had adventures. Flying birds. But we were not willing to listen to him. You didn't have a flying bird because you didn't listen to your brother. Exactly. He was mm-hmm. flying off all over the place. Exactly. Having all of the adventures. Yeah. So, you know, respect the young. <laughs> That's my... My takeaway is that you got to really practice at things. And mm. Practice makes perfect. Oh, that's a nice one. I think you've really, really got to practice your witchcraft yeah. in order to beat the Nazis. Yeah. Because if you just go out there after you've only tried it once by singing a song to your clothes, mm. then obviously the substitutionary locomotives like moving things are going to collapse halfway to the coast mm. which happened you know practice and practice and then you will get there yeah <laughs> i've got i've got an additional takeaway go on if you're going to murder two adults and three children bring something bigger than a flick knife and <laughs> and potentially Rely on them being magic. If you're already existing in a world where you're accepting that magic is a possibility, you know, factor that into any battle scenario that you might have. Because be prepared that you might be turned into a rabbit. Because the bookman and Bruce Forsyth seem absolutely like incredulous that when Angela Lansbury is like, right, I'm going to make this bed fly, Mm. and they're like, how will you do that? How will you escape? (laughs) Like they know that she's magic. Yeah. They know that magic exists. Mm-hmm. He's been trying to get... The bookman's been trying to do magic his whole life. He seems shocked and horrified when the bed disappears. Yeah. And he shouldn't be. No. Think it through. Exactly. <laughs> Think it through. Exactly. All so, right. our next film that we are going to talk next time, gentle viewers... It's Beauty and the Beast. I'm beyond excited. Really excited. This so, we're both... By the time the next podcast is released mm-hmm. we would have both seen the live action beauty of the beast i'm still very nervous about that yes me too yeah i am i'm a big fan of her work in general i question emma thompson being mrs potts yeah no angela lansbury is still alive mrs potts was an older lady sure 
And it's just a voice as well, isn't it? She's not gonna just a voice. I mean, you'll see her turn into whatever at the end, uh, but it's not gonna. It's spoiler not gonna be, alert! At the very end, <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. be too taxing for her, is it? Is what I'm no. saying. I mean, I know she's like ninety or whatever, but but she went to that reunion. Oh no, the anniversary screening. Oh, it didn't was she? brilliant. Yes, yeah, so next week, Beauty and yes, the Beast. Yes, Beauty and the Beast. I'm gonna do a sort of comparison slash rant slash whatever about yeah. the. Live action remake and mm-hmm. the original. Yes. Um, we'll be talking about the brilliance, the sheer brilliance of the original. Yes, which is and my favourite Disney. Definitely my favourite Disney. Yeah, be good. Yes. See you next good. week. Bye. Bye. Bye.